Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.
Because where are they going? Over into the promised land. They're going over into Canaan land. And he said, you have not passed this way before. And he said, if you stay close, you'll know the way that you should go. The Amplified Bible says that you may be able to see the ark and know the way that you must go where you've not passed this way before. Another translation says you may see it afar off and know which way you must go where you've not gone this way before. Uh, the Message Bible says you'll see clearly the route to take. You've never been on this road before. In 2023, you're either going to go down the road you've been going down or you're going to go down a road that you've never been on before. And, and the option, the, it's, it's totally up to you, all right? It's it, any ministry. It's totally up to that ministry if, it's, if, if they're going to go down a road they've never been on before or if they're just going to keep doing what they've been doing, all right? Hallelujah. This, this is so important. We have so many milestones that are happening this year, 25th year, 25th year of pastoring here in DeSoto, 25 years. 25 years, 25 is a multiple of five, all right? Uh, it's, it's ultimately what 25 means is grace, all right, or graciousness, multiple of five. And then we have our eighth year in Little Rock. Been pastoring there for eight years. Eight is a wonderful number because it ultimately means to superabound. When you look at it in the participle form, it's one who abounds in strength. The noun form is superabundant fertility. Ultimately, it means superabundance. It's the superabundant number. So the, the, the year that we're entering into is the year of superabundant grace. Amen. This is what God wants to do, is to show us his superabundance. Now, there will be people that just sit there and say nothing and do nothing and come to church like they've always come to church and just kind of hang out and but here's the thing. If you stay close, you'll know which way to go. You'll know which way to go. It's so important. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice this. One of the five things that the Lord told Pastor Michelle, he said, I want you this year, walking in the Spirit is going to be crucial. Well, why is that? Because... To walking in the Spirit is so that we'll know God's will and we'll have a vision and we'll see our future. The Lord said to us concerning this year, he said, uh, in 2023, this is what will be. He said it would be a year of turning and returning. And he said things that have seemed to be stuck and unchanging will begin to turn. Family members who have appeared to want nothing to do with the things of God will begin to desire the reality of the word they see in believers' lives. Now, understand this. Why does he want us to walk in the Spirit? So we'll have a vision and see our future. Amen. So what's the future for your family? They're going to begin to turn because they're going to see the reality of the word in believers' lives. Amen. Amen. And what will happen? They'll turn from the darkness to the light, and the glory will be the Lord's. Amen? So what's God showing you? Turning from the darkness to the light, and the glory will be the Lord's. Amen. 
and things that seem to be stuck and unchanging will begin to turn. When? This year. See, he's telling us to look for that. Joshua told the people, look, we're, we're going a way you've never been before. If things seem to have been stuck and unchanging, that's all you've seen. That's all that you've experienced. This year, he says, stay close, and here's what's going to happen. Hallelujah. He said, things that seem to have been stagnant and unmoving will begin to flow and move. And notice, it'll be rapid movement. Rapid movement. Now, I got a part to play in this, but he said it would be rapid movement. So what am I looking for? What's my vision? Rapid movement. Is that right? Rapid movement. Not a little at a time, but a rapid, quick movement. Now, watch. That will bring sudden change and improvement into the lives of those that will believe. What's my part? Believe. That what's going to happen? Sudden change and improvement. Sudden change and improvement. That's what he's telling me to look for. Amen. He said, for the church, this will be positive and powerful. As the Father shows himself mighty on their behalf and proves time and time again that he is their source, their provider, their keeper, their protector, and their king. Oh, hallelujah. For the world, this time of turning and change will be unsettling and confusing because they'll continually listen to deception that's brought about and backed by deceiving spirits that speak lies and deception. Many will continue to trust in a man or men only to be disappointed. As they see time and time again that man is not their source or answer. And this will produce frustration, disillusionment, and confusion. That's what the world can expect. That's not what we can expect. He said for the church, it'll be positive and powerful. Amen. You got to be careful with some things. And I, I'm not a political pastor, and you, and you know that. Uh, but we got to be careful with some things. I know people right now, Christians, that will not admit anything good is going on in the world. And they won't admit anything good is going on in the world because they don't want the current administration to get any credit. Amen. And here's my thought to them. Are you that immature? You, you tell some people, boy, gas prices are down. And they'll just kind of look at the ground, kick the dirt. Well, aren't they? They're way down from summer. Isn't that something good? Yeah, but I don't want them cronies in Washington to think I'm giving them the credit. I'm giving God the credit. Have you not yet realized in your walk with Christ that it doesn't matter who's in the White House? God will bless his people because he has favor unto them. Amen. There's so many Christians that think the only way we can be blessed is if we got this party in the White House or if we got this party in the White House. Listen, it doesn't matter. God gave a wealth transfer to his people under, under one of the most wicked rulers that they had ever known, and yet God transferred the wealth of that nation over into the people of God's hand. Amen. And, and so you got preachers standing behind their pulpit making a political statement and leading people to believe we got we to get this out and then everything can change. And that's why their people are struggling. 
You want to know why you haven't struggled? Because we trust God, not a political system. I, I am told nowhere in the Bible to preach politics. Nowhere. It's not in the Bible. The only thing I'm told to do where politics are concerned is pray for kings and all that are in authority. Amen. You, you, you got to be careful with that. Well, so-and-so does. I don't care. What does the Bible say? And, and, and when pastors and leaders waste their time preaching politics, partisan politics, they're going to get off the word of God at some point. Amen. 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 I'm not in the world. I'm not of the world. I don't listen to deception. That's brought about and backed by deceiving spirits. Neither, neither are you. He said, in the midst of the frustration and confusion in the world, the church will be flooded with light. And they will see a returning. A returning of those who walked away from God and his ways in pursuit of some other answer, only to be left hopeless and defeated. They'll return and God will restore their lives. There will also be seen a returning to the word as those who have walked away from the teaching of the word and the moving of the spirit find themselves empty and unfulfilled. Now watch, here's my part. Expect it, prepare for it, see it. 2023, a year of turning and forward momentum. Amen. 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 So the reason God wants us to walk in the spirit is for that purpose so that we know God's will, we have a vision, and we see our future. I just read you your future in 2023. That's your future. That's what the Lord has said to our bodies. Amen. Look at, look at Proverbs 19, 21. Proverbs 19 and 21. This is a, a, a scripture that I lean on heavily. The King James says, many are, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. The Amplified Bible says, Many plans are in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him. That will stand. Amen. It's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. So notice, many plans are in a man's mind. There's lots of plans that can come into your mind. But notice what it says. It's God's purpose that will stand. All right? So I want his plan. I want his purpose. Lord, what's your plan for me? What's your purpose for me? Amen. Because he says there's a lot of plans in a man's mind, but there's only one purpose that'll stand. And that's God's purpose. Amen. Do you see that? The vision for anybody, any, any, and, and I say body, I mean church body, originates with the head of the church. Look, look, look at Ephesians chapter 1. It, it, it originates with the head of the church. In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the word tells us concerning Jesus that the Father, verse 22, has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. So the vision originates with the head of the church, Jesus. We're the local church. 
the body of Christ in DeSoto, the body of Christ in Little Rock. We fulfill Jesus' vision as it's given to the pastor. The church, the local church, fulfills the vision given to the pastor. Amen. I want, I want to look at some verses. Uh, Exodus 25. And you don't have to turn to all of these if you don't want to, but you can write them down. Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. God was talking to Moses, and he said, I want you to go back to the camp. And he said, I want you to build the tabernacle. Notice, he says, as I have shown you. Right? Verse 9 says, as I have shown you, according to all that I show you. So Moses didn't run down into the camp and bring them something that he hadn't seen. Right? There, there's, there's, there's a visionary with the vision. And then there's people in the body that help make the vision come to pass. Look, look at Exodus 39.1. They're making the garments for the priests and the holy place. And notice the last part of that verse. How did they make them? As the Lord commanded Moses. They didn't just make them ever how they wanted. They did it as the Lord had commanded Moses. In uh, Exodus, uh, right there, chapter 39, verse 42 and 43. I want you to see this. Because notice, uh, it says, According to all the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel made all the work. And Moses looked on the work, and they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it. Somebody knew how it was supposed to be done. And they did it the way he said to do it. And then he went back and looked at it to make sure it was done that way. But what's the common thread that we get here? Who's God dealing with? Moses. As God commanded Moses. Now, Exodus 40, verse 33 and 34. Exodus 40, 33 and 34. Notice, and he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When they did what? When they finished the work. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Glory is always uh, approval. Now, where did they get the approval from God? When they did everything God told Moses to. Do you see this? Amen. The enemy has the enemy has has worked real hard over uh, a number of years to try to convince the church that you know if 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 you're following a vision, if you're following a person, if you're following a man or a woman of God, and when I say following, you understand what I mean by that. That, that and I've had people tell me, well, I follow I follow God, not man, and you're not going to make it here. Because we're all following God. But three times in the Pauline epistles. Are the Pauline epistles in the Bible? Are they the New Testament? 
Three times in the Pauline epistles, Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. Is that right? Amen. So, 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 so if I'm following somebody with a vision, if I'm following my pastor, if I'm following a leader that's hearing from God, the end result is going to be the glory of the Lord manifest in my church and in my life. Amen. Do you see this? Everybody is following somebody. Mostly when you hear people say, well, I'm, I'm following Christ. I follow Christ, not men. They're not doing anything for God. In, in your home, in your home, in your marriage, if you're married, what does the scripture say in Ephesians 5? It says, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Is that what it says? Then it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. I know that's a bad word in the society we live in. Why is that? Somebody is the head of this body at the home. It doesn't make him better than the wife. It doesn't make him on a higher level. It means this, that God is going to deal with somebody about the condition of that home. And if the husband is in his place, God will give him a vision for his house, a vision for his life, a vision for his home. And God will bless that, and you'll have the glory of God in your home. But somebody's got to be hearing, and somebody's got to be following. Does that make sense? Amen. Glory to God. Do you see that? And it's not archaic. It's, I heard that in the spirit. Well, that's archaic. It's not archaic. It's, it's, it's the way things operate. On your job, isn't there somebody you got to listen to? If you work for yourself, don't you have to listen to your customers? Yes or no? You got, you got to listen to somebody. Why? Because I've got to hear I've got to get input. If, if, if I go to work on somebody's bathroom and we remodel their bathroom, I need to have a vision of what they want. I put the toilet over here and they want it over here. Right? Like the guy that worked all day and put that big 80-inch flat screen on the woman's wall. And she came in and said, that's not where I wanted it. Well, I just thought it looked good over here. Yeah, but that's not where I wanted it. See, it's her house. Right? Does that make sense? And, and where people get into trouble is God speaking to somebody. Now watch. God's speaking specifically about this ministry to me. He will speak to you about your part, but the overall vision for the church he won't speak about it to you. He'll speak about it to me. Amen. And then we'll do what he says. Amen. For your life, God's not going to speak to me about your life. He's going to speak to you about your life. Amen. He might use me to speak into your life, but the vision for your life, it's your life. God's going to speak to you. I have people come and ask me, what do I need to do with my life? I don't know. It's not my life. It's your life. I don't know. You got to spend time alone with God. You got to spend time in prayer. You got to spend time seeking God. 
Now my point in saying that is notice, they did what Moses said and the glory, the glory. showed up. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. There are times people say, well, don't you think we could do it this way? No. We can't do it that way. We have to do it the way the Lord says. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a number of verses. Uh, let's go to Leviticus 8. And, and, and I'm going to take the time to look at a, 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 a few of these. Because I want you to see the importance of this. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 4. The very first part of that, notice, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him. If you look at verse 9, the, the end of the verse, as the Lord commanded Moses, verse 13, and, and, and you look at uh, the end of the verse in verse 13, as the Lord commanded Moses, verse 17, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 21. As the Lord commanded Moses. Now, I just go through that, not to emphasize the man as much as the Lord commanded yes. Moses. Hallelujah. Do you see that? The glory of God and the fire that marked God's pleasure with their offering came as a result of their obedience to the vision. That's where the glory of God fell. Where there's no, look at Proverbs 29, where there's no God-given vision, people fail. Whether that's, that's for my life, for my church, where there's no God-given vision, people fail. And, that, and that's why people get off. They get, into, uh, uh, they, they get into things they should have never been into. That's why ministers fail. They, they lose the vision. I, I was reading one time a minister that got into some problems last year and had a, a very thriving, growing church. And, uh, and uh, he was, you know, saddened by what had happened. His board had, had put him out. And, and basically he didn't, ha didn't have a job anymore in the church he founded. Him and his wife, and, and, and you know, because of the way it was set up. But here's the thing. If you listen to him preach 25 years ago, and you listen to him today, it's totally different. And people say, what happened? He wasn't on the same vision. Amen. you got to keep the same vision. Pastor Morton used to help me so much. Because when, when, when uh, I first went to his church, uh, we were meeting in a building probably a quarter the size of this room. Uh, it probably seated 40 people, maybe, and that was jam-packed. And uh, people were always talking to him. When are you, when are you going to get a bigger building? When are you going to do this? And he said, well, I'm not filling this one yet. <laughs> and people would just look at him like he was a nut. Right. Amen. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nut that built him a new building. <laughs> but he didn't get in a hurry. See, the vision was not another building. The vision was fill the people with the word. Yes. Get the word in the people. You understand? Right. That was the vision. Always giving God the glory. That was the vision of, and is the vision of his ministry. The vision of our ministry is to build faith 
and frame worlds by the word of God. God has added to that. But the point is, is to stay with that. you got to stay with the vision. Proverbs 29 and 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see that? Notice that. The, the word says, where there's no vision, the people perish. I was a pastor, my pastor, years ago in Toronto, Canada, and, and uh, he made that statement. Uh, it just imprinted my spirit. He said, look what the word says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Right. So that means the vision of a ministry impacts the people, and it causes the people to thrive and prosper. Hallelujah. When people don't get plugged into the church, they're not hooked up to God's vision. Amen. See, coming to church is not serving. It's just coming to church. Right. That's why people say, well, I can watch from home, but you can't hook up from home. Amen. You can't serve from home. You can't be part of the vision from home. Amen. That's why people say, yeah, I go to that church over there. I'm part of their e-congregation. No such thing. No such thing. Right. To congregate means to join together. Yeah. You're getting together, the congregation. Yeah. And you might watch from home in an emergency right. when you can't get to church. But that shouldn't, that, that, that right? right? Amen. I mean, you might eat McDonald's in an emergency. But you certainly don't want to be eating it every day. Right. Maybe not even every month. Right. <laughs> but the, but now if you go to McDonald's, don't get mad at me. But the point is, there are things that are good in a tight, but it's not good for every day. Right. Where there is no vision. When a person is not plugged into the church, they're not hooked up to God's vision. Because God's vision is the local church. Amen. Do you see that? You would be amazed when you get hooked up to a vision, what begins to happen to your life, what begins to happen in your home, what begins to happen in your finances. There's another flow of the life of God that begins to manifest itself in your life. Amen. One translation says, where there's no vision, the people throw off all restraint. Another says the people get out of control. Oh, glory. Another one says the people shall be scattered abroad. The message Bible says they stumble all over themselves. Why? Because a vision, a church with a vision, keeps us running in the right direction. Amen. Vision gives you parameters. Hallelujah. Psalm 133, it talks about the anointing. It says that, it says in verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And it said, it is like the, the precious ointment upon the head, even upon uh, 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 Aaron's head, and it ran down his uh, beard to the and went down to the skirts of his garment. Amen. I want you to see this. The anointing flows from the head, but it gains momentum as it goes through the body. 
Amen. It flows from the head, but it gains momentum as it, as it flows through the body. It, it, it gathers in the body. Amen. The strongest manifestation of the anointing is in the body. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. That's why every person in here functions in a level of the anointing that's on the head of the church, this, this local church. I function in a level of the anointing from the head of the church, Jesus. Every person that comes to church and is hooked up to the vision has a level of that anointing that's on the ministry functioning in their life. Because who's the anointing for? The body. Not for the person that's anointed. It's for the body. When Jesus was anointed, what did he say in Luke 4? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me for this reason. To preach the gospel to the poor. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To open the eyes of the blind. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The anointing's not on me to prove how great I am. The anointing's on me to show how you can be free. That was his vision. This is why the anointing's on me. The anointing's not so I can talk about how anointed I am. The anointing is so I can get my hands on somebody and get them set free by the power of God. That's the vision. And when you get a hold of the vision in a body, then that begins to function in your life. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? I've watched preachers over the years, and when they lose their vision, they lose their drive, they lose their reason. Amen. And you know what you'll go back to? Ever what you were before you got a vision. Vision, vision, notice what it says. It says where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision will make you uncomfortable because it will cause you to see things that you need to do that you have not yet done. But it will also be very gratifying because it will show you how to do it. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Do, Do you see this? Amen. So, so when you, oh, Lord, i got to be careful with this. When, when you see people, when, when you see people that all they want to do is just, I've talked to people before, and they just want to be done with their job. I just want to be done with my job. I want to be done. You be careful. That job's been your vision for 30 years. Amen. Do you have a vision to step into? Because if you don't have a vision to step into, you're, ste- you're stepping into a quick decline. Because vision is what gives you life. Amen. Have you ever heard the old statement, you know, you get around kids and it makes you feel younger? Why does it make you feel younger? You're seeing something. Right. Are, are you following me? If, if you step away from something with no vision, you're going to decline. Right. Because your vision is your reason. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right? When when you started working in your younger years, you just got married, you wanted to work your way up the ladder because you wanted to take good care of your family. You had a vision to take care of your... Is that right or wrong? Amen. But over the years, what begins to happen? See, see, this is what happens to people even spiritually. What began to happen? Well, I'm married more and we're getting more comfortable. Things aren't tight anymore. 
were raising the kids. They went off to college. Now they're home from college, and, and they're all getting married and moving out, and I'm not responsible for them anymore. What, what's happening? What, what is happening? My reason to keep that vision is getting less and less. Now, i got to find a vision, or I'm going to lose the reason to live. What gets you up every day and pushes you out the door is whatever vision you have. If you don't have a vision, you can just lay in there in the bed and not worry about it. Remember, many are the thoughts in a man's mind, but it's the purposes of God. That's what's going to stand. If you don't have God's purpose in your life, you're going to live for your purpose. And it will be whatever purpose you had before you got born again. And that's why Jesus said when somebody was delivered and set free and they went back to that lifestyle, that it, that, 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 that same spirit that was on them and in them was going to come back and he was going to bring seven other spirits worse than himself and the last state of that man would be worse than the first state why he lost his vision lost his vision am I helping you one of the saddest statements that you'll ever read in the Bible is found in First in Samuel chapter 2 and it's talking about the days of Eli and the days of Samuel and it says that in the days of Samuel that there was no open vision Amen. Eli should have been seeing and hearing from God for the people. And he was not doing it. And God had to bring a young boy along with a vision. I made the decision years ago. Nobody is ever going to be more of a visionary than me. I'm not going to have to have God say, okay, it's time to turn you out to pasture. i got to get somebody in here that's seeing something. Amen. Amen. Am I helping you? Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Ooh, glory. Notice what it says concerning the, the, the believers on the day of Pentecost. They were all with one accord in one place. Spiritual unity. Spiritual unity. I can't have spiritual unity if I'm not surrounded, if, if I'm not gathered around one vision. Amen? Acts 2, 42. You're right there in, in chapter 2. Look at verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Breaking bread and prayers. Now notice, what were they doing? Feeding on the same teaching and revelation. What does that do? It maintains accurate vision. I had a leaders meeting last night and I was talking about a, a certain situation that occurred one time with a, a, a certain individual and uh, they really wanted to do and, and uh, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't a call of God on their life but I finally had to tell this person I know that you want to do and you want to be involved but I don't ever see you in church. Amen. Now, please don't misunderstand this. This is not a hammer. You need to come to church. That's not the issue. You're going to come to church as often as you want. Amen. And ever what I say is not going to make a difference. God has to deal with you about that. Amen. Here's the point. If I made the statement, if you want to stand here, I got to see you there. Amen. Because when you're there, 
I know what you're eating. If I don't see you there, I don't know what you're eating. I don't know whose kitchen you're eating out of. And you know what the person said to me? I was not aware your standards are so high. Because you're never here. I will never apologize for a standard. Ever. That's why we have 25 years of full-time ministry in this location, and there's never been a hint of scandal in our ministry. Not, not financially, not sexually, not in any area. And there never will be. There's never been a church split. Why will there never be? Because we got a standard. Amen. And we got a vision. Are you following me? Amen. Feeding on the same teaching and revelation maintains accurate vision. Verse 46 of the same chapter says, They continued daily with one accord. They fellowshiped around the word of God. Daily in one accord. Amen. They didn't forsake the assembling of themselves together. Hebrews 10.25 says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now again, that, that scripture has been used as a hammer. That's not what we're doing. We're, we're showing you the benefit. He said that as you refuse to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, that you're edified and you're encouraged. Watch, not by the preacher, by the people around you. Amen. That's what it says. It says the people around you will spur you on. Amen. Have you ever had a time in your life you just needed somebody to poke you and get you moving? Nobody but me? We'll pray for liars here in a little bit. Oh, there's, right, there's been times I told myself, if I can just get to church tonight, if I can just get to Deeper Life Christian Ministries, if I can just get there on Wednesday or Friday, if I can just get there, I know I'm going to be all right. And I would get there, and sure enough, everything was all right. It wasn't the man. It, it wasn't the, the, the message necessarily. It was the people, the believers that I encountered that had the same heart and the same vision. When people have the same heart and the same vision you have, they'll help you. They'll edify you. They'll exhort you. They'll, they'll push you forward. They'll spur you on. When you start seeing people separate, they're, they're heading down a slippery slope because there's nobody to edify them and encourage them. There's nobody to build them up. I try to be an edifier, an encourager. I had a brother, a friend of mine, send me a, a, a video yesterday. And, and when he sent it to me, I, I kind of had some things on my mind. And, and it was a video of his ministry and a teaching that he does on YouTube. And he sent it to me, and I kind of looked at it for a minute, but I was busy. And I kind of shot him a text and said, hey, you know what? That was great. I don't remember you using this format before and blah, blah, blah. You know, some, some niceties. When he texted me back, I could just tell that, that he was let down. By my response. Now there are people who say, well, he ought, he ought to grow up. He ought to, he ought to be a man about that. Or I should just edify him. Right. So what would you do? I, 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 I did what I knew I should have did in the beginning. I called him. And I said, I received your video. And I'm so blessed by what you said. And I just want you to know, that's, that's a wonderful word for this year. Amen. He's not an immature person. He needed somebody to spear him on, to move him on. He sent that to me for a reason. Amen. 
because he respects what I have to say. Amen. The person sitting next to you, there's going to come a day when they need somebody to just go, you know what, you can make it. You can get through this. Amen. Amen. The person sitting behind you someday, they're just going to need somebody to say, what you're dealing with, I've been there. And let me tell you, God's good, and you're going to get through it. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Acts 4.24 says, they lifted their voice with one accord. One accord. So united prayer is a New Testament emphasis. Why? Because we're designed to operate as one. We're designed to operate as one, one body. Acts 4.32 says they were of one heart and one soul. Of one heart and one soul. See, so what I want you to see is the unity of vision and the multiplied growth of the church went hand in hand. They were unified in vision, and then there was multiplied growth of the church. Amen. You you can't you you and and it's not the case in our ministry, but you can't be pulling a different direction and expect there to be growth. Amen. Multiplied growth. Because of the unity of vision. So I have to ask myself. Let's ask ourselves. What do I see? What do I see? Do I see what the pastor sees about our land and building? Do I see that? The Lord said to me as it concerns DeSoto. Build the house. Right. Build the house. Build the house. And the scripture that he used for me was in the book of Luke, where the Bible says that uh, there was a, a certain la a certain uh, landholder, and he sat down and made out personalized invitations to three different groups of people, and and you know the story. But it says all of them had an excuse. Now, a lot of times when we use that word excuse. It, it has come to, you know, to mean something bad, you know, and, and the reason why is people use excuses to get out of their responsibilities. But the point is, Jesus never said that any of these activities were illegitimate or wrong. But what he is saying is in light of the invitation that you've received, this excuse doesn't carry weight. Right. I've invited you to this celebration, Right. They didn't come. He said, well, go into the city and invite people. So they went and invited the people from the city, and they came. Remember what they said? We've invited all these people, and what they say? There's still room. And he said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. That word compel means constrain them, cause them to yield, make them pay attention. Why? I want my house filled. Amen. All right? So as it concerns DeSoto, fill the house. Amen. Do, do you see that? Do, do you see the house filled? See, the problem with people is, is that very often the, the reason why they don't see things the way 
the, the reason why they can't pull is they come and they're seeing something that the head's not seeing. I see the house filled. Don't ever come and talk to me about who wasn't in church. I don't know who's not here. I got a job with who is here. Amen. They, they, they can be not here for whatever reason. A legitimate reason or an illegitimate reason. That's not my place to judge. My place is you're here. I'm going to fill you up. Glory. My job is you're here, you're gonna waddle going home. Right? Does that make sense? Well, I knew so and so. Boy, they really needed to be here. You were here. You really needed to be here. They really needed what was said. No, you really needed what was said. Amen. Don't don't you don't you remember the old song we used to sing in church? It's me. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know how they're acting. I know I'm on my way to church because I got a vision of filling the house. I got a vision of every seat filled. I got a vision of full children's ministry. I got a vision of full youth ministry. I got a vision of a full house. I don't know what they're doing. It's not what I'm doing. Amen. You know, so-and-so backslid. Well, that's unfortunate, but I'm not. Ah, hallelujah. Isn't that great? Do you see what the pastor sees about reaching the city? Jesus is Lord over DeSoto. Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Do you see as far into the future as they see? In Genesis 13, 14 and 15, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land that you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. So look at the vision as far as he could see. Amen. Amen. Lot departed. Lot couldn't see it. But God gave this vision to Abraham. Can you see that far? Frustration is evidence of a lack of vision. Because when you have vision, frustration is, is impeded. Because right. I have vision. Amen. You remember when you were potty training your kids? Did you ever get frustrated? <laughs> now, again, if you say no, we will pray for liars soon. And you think you just got them right where they need to be, and they can finally sleep all night without the pull-up. And you go in in the morning, and they sit up, and they go, oop, I had an accident. What? I thought we had this solved. Right? Well, I saw it solved, but they didn't. But you don't get frustrated. Why? Because somebody potty trained you, and you made it. I'm not going to get frustrated. When people come and they say, I'm frustrated, I ask them, what are you not seeing? Because just to remove the object of your frustration doesn't help you. Right. 
Where was the loss of vision? Amen. Amen. I've hired people before, both, both, both in the corporate world and in the ministry. I've hired people before. And, and I would see potential in them. And I would see a future. And at some point, they would start frustrating me. I, I had to go back and see in them again what I saw in them when I hired them. Amen. Because that's where the creativity to help them comes from. Amen. You understand? I can't help you if I'm frustrated with you. Why? Frustration means to impede. Amen. It means to block. When someone says, I'm frustrated... What do they mean? I don't know which way to go. I can't see. I'm frustrated. Well, back up and see the vision. Any parents in here, you, you got to put Lego sets together? Right here. Got a fellow Lego builder. On the left, right. I just got two Welly Wisher sets that I got to put together. I got one of them put together. It's a stage that, and if you don't know the Welly Wishers, you need to. American girl and all these different things. Okay, whatever. Anyway, got this one little stage where all the Welly Wishers do their programs on. It's about this tall and about this wide. It only took about two hours to put together. I don't know why they don't just put the pieces that go together in the same bag. It's like you got to go through this bag and go through this bag and go through this bag. And I got the dog barking. And Lily asked me when it's going to be done. And Pastor Michelle asked me, what are we going to do for dinner? And I'm like, <laughs> vision, vision, vision. Pull, pull it back out and look at it. Right? If you get frustrated, you'll look for a piece that's right in front of you and you won't see it. You got to keep your mind on why God brought that person to you. When people come to me with marital problems, and they'll say, "Well, I've had people tell me, well, you know, I just don't think we love each other any anymore." And I'll ask them, "What you see in them when you got married that made you love them so much?" Because evidently, you're not seeing that person anymore. And is it, it doesn't matter if they're bigger and more bald or more wrinkly or whatever. If you have the same vision that you had when you got married, you know that person's getting older, but they're the same person. Amen. You got to back up and determine why did we get married. Amen. I got to get my vision back. Do you see it that way? I told one married couple, I said, I'm not going to work harder on your marriage than you are. Amen. That's the problem. Is you're, you're not seeing this. Do you love her? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, now, you loved, you loved her when you stood in the church and swore before God to love her forever. What, what was you seeing that made you make that kind of commitment? What, were you, what was that person seeing when they came to church 
and said, this is where God brought me. And this is where God told me to be. And this is my home church. And you're my pastor. And this is where God's going to. What were they seeing? See, the enemy will come and attack that. Can you believe pastor said what he said from the pulpit? That's an attack on your vision. It's trying to stop you from seeing what you saw in the beginning. I've watched people come and kneel at this altar and get saved and delivered instantly from what they were dealing with in their life. I've watched God show them favor. I've watched God rescue them from prison sentences, rescue them from death. I've watched God put marriages back together. And I look around here today and not one of those people that God did those things for is present in the ministry. It doesn't mean they're bad people. I mean, what were they seeing? That they don't see anymore. And it's not because it's not here. It's not because we've changed. Amen. Am I making sense? So do you see it that way? Is the vision as clear to you as it is to your pastor? In Mark chapter 8, verse 23 through 25, it says concerning Jesus, So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and went and spit on his eyes and put hands on him. We're not going to spit in nobody's eyes. You want vision, come on up. (laughs) He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone He saw everyone clearly. See, do you see the elements of the vision and their value? When you look at the children's ministry, do you see the elements of the vision where that's concerned and its value? Because that goes a long way in understanding. I tell tell my children's ministers all the time, this is the vision. The vi- and, and I said, well, the vision for the children's ministry is building faith and framing world by the word of God. Yes, that's part of it. But you got, you got to grasp the vision. There are, there are ministers right now in, in, in our kingdom kids, which is our nursery ministry, that they are going to introduce some of those babies to the eternal God of the universe. And nobody else will ever be able to say that they introduced that child to the eternal God of the universe, but that minister. Do you see that? It's not just a nursery. It's not just a, a, a babysitting service. It's not just something so I don't have to deal with my child while the church service is going on. It's a place where the word of God is broken down into little pieces, it's mashed up, it's mushed up, it's made soluble if that's what needs to happen so that the generation coming up can have the vision for what God wants to do in their life. Glory to God. When when they go to to, to, to the, the, the children's church, when they go to, 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 to faith kids and they go back there, ever what we've got to use. We use videos, we use puppets, We use games, we use songs, we use food, whatever it takes to get the vision of the Word of God across to them in their lives. 
Amen. They're not just children's workers. They're ministers. That are ministering the eternal gospel to your children and to your grandchildren and to the children that you bring. And they're making an indelible eternal difference in the lives of people. You got to see it that way. You got to see it that way. Hallelujah. You got to see it that way. When you're when your student age children, when they go to detour and they and they go to that Wednesday night service. Yeah, there's exciting things going on. There's games. There's fun. There's excitement. But there's the word of God. Something is happening. Your child that's embarking on adulthood is getting a foundation of the word of God down on the inside of them that nobody can ever take away from them. Nobody can ever make that kind of impact on their life like our youth pastors are making on their lives because there's something that's being planted in their spirit that will forever be there. No matter where they go, no matter what they do, no matter who they're around, they'll be the incorruptible seed of the word of God planted in their spirit by a youth pastor. That's the reality of it. Do you see that? You got to see that. You got to see that. Well, I went by that room and they were loud. You're not seeing it. I said you're not seeing it. You, you think it's loud here. You ought to be in Little Rock where the youth room is connected to the sanctuary. And I'll start preaching and you hear. And you hear the youth pastor singing out of key. Hallelujah. And, and, and I'll have people turn around and they'll kind of, you know, like that look, something stinks. And I told them one service, I said, you might as well just turn around and look at me. That's the youth room. They're loud. Amen. It won't be for long. Praise and worship will be over soon. Just focus. They asked D.O. Moody one time. Four people got saved in his meeting. And they said, uh, how many people got saved? Now, actually, two, two people, an adult and a child. How many people got saved? Now, he said, one and a half. They said, oh, you know, one adult was the one and the half was the kid. He said, no. He said, the kid was the one, the adult was the half. Kids got the rest of their life. Adult only has half of it. Amen. We got a generation coming up in the back. That will never have to deal with a lot of the things you've had to deal with. They'll never have to deal. You understand? They'll always know that God will take care of them. They'll always know that God's their healer. They'll always know how to speak the word and get the results that they need to get. Amen. Not just a fun place to go. Not just an exciting place to go. Amen. Now, we're not going to sit back there and have them, you know, sit there with all the lights on and teach them out of the book of Leviticus about various and sundry meats that we shouldn't eat. <laughs> Amen. If you're a parent, you'd do yourself a real favor if you'd go sit in on service sometime. If you're a grandparent, you'd do yourself a real favor if you'd go sit in sometime and find out what's being taught, you'd come away with a whole other understanding. Because it's not a game. 
It's a congregation. Amen. It's part of this church. It's no different than me preaching in here this morning. Somehow over the years we've made it that, you know, you know, this is the this is the important place. And that's, you know, that that's where we kind of feed them, you know, the, the scraps. Mm, no, they're they're getting filet mignon back there, just like you're getting it in here. You got you gotta get a hold of that. It was a it was not a senior pastor that impacted my life. It was a youth pastor. It was a youth pastor named Sammy Casadas. When everybody else gave up on me, when I was unsure about what I wanted to do with my life, and I was making mistakes, it was him that pulled up in his big old 72 Mercury and picked me up walking down the street and looked at me in the eye and put his finger lovingly in my face and said, Philip, God still has something for you to do with your life. Made a difference. Made a difference to me. Amen. Amen. The pastors I ran into didn't think I was worth their time. He did. And when I started my church, I determined that would never be the case in our church. And as a result of that, I've, st- I've got adults in this church that have, that have married and have their own children today that used to go to our youth group all those 20-something plus years ago. And they're here today, saved, full of the Holy Ghost, working in the ministry with families of their own. Because somebody caught a vision. Somebody caught a vision. When you get the vision, you'll take a pie in the face. When you you get the vision, you'll, you'll go in the dunk tank. Amen. Why? Because I'm not just getting dunked to have fun. I got kids to church because they get the idea if they get to church, they might get to dunk the youth pastor. You get to dunk me, but I get to preach to you. Uh-huh. Amen. And, and can I say this? We've only got about 10 minutes. That's why I don't understand people that come and, and, and they'll make statements like, well, I'm doing this for right now. And when God moves me on, and what they mean is in the bigger and better. Let me ask you a question. Dave and Michelle's daughter here. I don't know the exact time that she was introduced to Christ, and I don't know who introduced her to Christ. Y'all? Well, that's how it should be. Parents should do it. Right. But think, of, think about this. How precious is that to God? Amen. That somebody took the time to introduce that child to Jesus. Amen. Somebody thought they were important enough to say, you need to know Jesus. Amen. Think about that. We, we had a leaders meeting. We were talking about a family, a, a, a young lady in the church that was impacted by the gospel. And her family. And you know, I, I loved it so much because the children's pastor spoke up and said, not only are they impacted, there's three children in that house that are impacted because they're being impacted. Amen. Every family that comes to church, the adults are impacted, but the children are impacted. Yes. See, you got to see that. We don't just win mom and dad, we win the family. Yes. Glory to God. 
Can you see that? You see the Bible college for what it is. Amen. I, I tell every group, if, if you come in and you do great academically, I love that. I want you to, to be, do as good as you want. But if you come and all you get is B's and F's, I don't care. Are you catching the vision? I had to look at our Bible school at the beginning of this, well, this year, last year. It seems like last year was just this year. But I, I called in uh, uh, the head of it, the heads of it, and I said, we've moved away from the vision for this Bible school. And we've got to get back to the vision. Because if we're not in the vision, we might as well not do it. So we went back to the vision. The vision of that Bible school is training up people that know the word, know the leading of the Holy Spirit, and can function in the local church. Amen. That's the vision. It's not, it's not an ordination mill. It's not a paper mill. You just come and, and get an ordination. That's not it. I noticed that was happening when people would say, well, if when I go through your school, will I get ordained? Well, maybe or maybe not. I mean, I don't know. That's not the vision. The vision is getting people a grounding in the word so they can succeed in what God wants them to do in their lives. Amen. Amen. And, and we could go down, down the road. The love and action team. You know, we have our love and action team. People are in the hospital. People, there's a funeral. Uh, uh, we have a group of people that, that we call, that we get with immediately, and we prepare to have food, and we prepare to have hospital visits. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us to do that. It says that you grieve with those that grieve and you rejoice with those that rejoice. It's not just something we're doing because that's what the church does. We do it because that's a member of our body and they're hurting and they don't have what they need and we can supply it. And you in that team can be the hands and feet of Jesus making something better for somebody who is possibly having the worst day of their life. Ever. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Men's meetings and women's meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor Michelle named her women's meeting Living Proverbs 31. Yeah. You know, it's not like Proverbs 31 is living, it's women that are living out Proverbs 31. Mm-hmm. Amen. You come to that women's meeting, you'll learn how to do that. You'll learn how to have that function in your life. You know, Pastor Michelle, for years, for years, she shied away from the idea of just being a woman minister. She wouldn't go do women's conferences because she didn't want to just be known as a woman that ministered to women. I've had people say, hey, she's a pretty good little girl preacher. Come on, man. Is that all you noticed? But here's the point. So when God began to deal with her about women's ministry, it was a different concept. Because she said, I'm not going to just have one of these little cutesy get-togethers where we drink tea and eat cupcakes and talk about fashion. We're going to grow in the Word. You come to Living Proverbs 31, you'll learn how to walk in the Spirit. You'll learn how to be a woman of the Word. That's the vision. The the vision is not just to have mom's day out. And you'll have fun. 
You'll have raffles and giveaways. It'll be great. But the point is, it's to grow. Hallelujah. Men's meeting, the whole focus for my men's meeting this year, when you read through the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was, was dealing with uh, uh, the, the heads of the household. And he, uh, the people began to cry out to God and said, God, we, we commit to you and we commit our homes to you and we commit our houses to you. And Father, we want our families to know you. That's, that's the focus this year. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's it. It's, 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 it's not any, any other reason. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to have fun. We're going to have outings. But at the end of the day, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Yes, sir. Corporate prayer meetings, television outreach. Hallelujah. And finally, the last five minutes I have, will you maintain and move forward with the vision? In Numbers 14, 24, the Lord said to Moses, he said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I'll bring him into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb never lost the vision. This, this is God speaking to Moses concerning Caleb in Numbers 14, right after Numbers 13, when he and Joshua came back and said, we can take the land. Caleb's the one that when they got back to the land, he told Joshua, even after having been in the wilderness 40 years extra, he said, my vision isn't darkness. I want you to give me the mountain that Moses, the man of God, promised me. Amen. He said, I'm as strong today as I was in. What kept him strong? Vision. Amen. Vision. Everything that you do in your life, ask yourself, why am I doing this and what do I see? What, why are you doing it? What, whatever it is. When, when people say, you know, I want to go back to school. Why? Why are you doing it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but why are you doing that? Ask yourself why. What do you see yourself doing? Is what God's asked you to do, does it require it? If it doesn't require it, then why are you wasting your time? Amen. Well, I, I, I want to get healthy this year. you got to get a vision. you got to get a vision. Why do you want to, I mean, right? Why, why do you want to be healthy? Why, why do you want things to be? My point is, that's what gets you through those tough times. That vision for what I want to do. Amen. I run into ministers, and they, and they want to go into full-time ministry. And you got to have a vision for it. Because that, that's what you attach your faith to, is what God showed me. In Deuteronomy 136, uh, he was speaking to Moses again. He said, except Joshua, of course, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he will see it. And to him and his children, I'll give the land upon which he's walked because he's wholly followed the Lord. Wholly followed the Lord. In the summer, of late summer of 1995, the Lord gave me a vision. 
And he said, the vision for your life and ministry is from Hebrews 11.3. I want you to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. Over the years, the Lord's divinely connected us to people for impartation. The Lord instructed me January 17th of 2012 to follow Pastor Caldwell's stage. And he said to me, as I was man with Pastor Happy Caldwell, I'll be with you. Without impartation, God added to our vision. We became a spiritual production center, producing life, city, state, nation, world. Hallelujah. So they play that first video. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, well, this place is a mighty place. And this place is a place that I have ordained. And this place is a place that shall do many, many, many things for the gospel's sake and for my kingdom. Uh-huh. And it's this place that shall expand into all that I have asked of them. Uh-huh. Because they desire to follow me and what I am saying. And because they are diligent to seek my face, to speak my word, and to go forth in victory at all times. Ah, so it's great times for this place and it's great times for the world <laughs> because you release yourself to pray. Ah, praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Now the Lord said this is a mighty place. Miss Pat didn't say that. The Lord said. The Lord said that through her. Wonderful friend to us. But the point that I want you to see is that's what the Lord said. So if I have the vision, that's what I think of this place. It's a mighty place. It's what the Lord said. Now the aspects of our vision, we talked about some of them. A healing ministry. Play that next clip. I thank you, Father. I thank you for this place being known as a house of healing. We thank you, Father, that people will recognize you can go there and receive your miracle. You can go there and receive your healings. So we thank you, Father, for another measure. When I was, uh, when those, I was ministering to those with heart conditions, God said, there is an endowment of healing 
I have for a pastor here for hearts. Meaning you'll start, you're to minister under that endowment to those with heart conditions. It's you, Pastor Philip. Here, stand up. Just give me your hands. Just hold out your hands. We, we, we thank you, Father, for that endowment. And uh, that means as a church, we'll steward that anointing by learning how to prepare an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can minister healing. Amen. Specific services focused on healing, including our weekly healing school. Hallelujah. Now, to accomplish the vision, we'll believe for the increase. We'll move in the more. You can play that next one. <laughs> you think you're busy now? Just wait. Not long. You don't have to wait long. But prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. My spirit is moving mightily and quickly in this earth. And so don't 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 delay in in, in looking for for that special place. Because this, this, this is not big enough for what he, he says, this is not big enough for what I'm doing and what shall continue in your ministry and in your life. So get ready, listen, be ready, and move. That's what he's saying. Get ready, be ready, and move. <laughs> And that which I have asked of you, <laughs> you have the grace to do. Hallelujah. Grace and more grace upon you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Grace and more grace upon you. That's what I heard the Spirit of God say. Grace and more grace upon you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Grace and more grace. Whoo, grace and more grace. Solo bata frastiha. Grace and more grace. upon you. Yes. You see grace and more grace upon you. <laughs> yes. Ha <laughs> ha. Praise you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mickey on the boast, oh, you did. Mickey on the boast, oh, the Ricky Ete. Father, we thank you. We thank you, ah, for that greater degree of anointing. That greater power, that greater glory. Thank you, Jesus. 
Pastor Philip, I, you think there's a lot on your plate. All he has to do is get the plate bigger. That's all he got to do. And then what's on your plate looks, oh, so minimal. Because the grace is the bigger plate. He enlarges the grace and it can hold more. So an enlarged grace upon your life for more. level attainable. And he made the statement, he said, it's time to go for the maximum. Don't settle for just getting by. Now, I'm running just a little bit over, but I want to caution you because that those type of things are so easy to grab a hold of. The minister that I told you was talking, that I was talking to, that her husband had went to heaven, uh, she made the statement that somebody said, uh, you know, that if there was anybody that they thought was going to live to be in 120, it was this person. And I looked at him, and with all the love in my heart, I said his problem was he would grab a hold of things that he liked, that he wanted to say, but he didn't believe any of them. Right. That's the problem. See, we, and I'm not saying you in particular, I'm saying I've got to watch this because when I hear this phrase, don't settle for just getting by. I can say, yep, yep, that's me. Not going to settle for just getting by. And, and I'll go home real excited. And by the time I get home and, and have a burrito and, you know, then tomorrow morning I'm ready to just get up and settle again. Settle is comfort. Right. There, there's never any pressure put on me to do more. Amen. You understand? You remember an old commercial? You may not remember. Some of y'all don't remember. You weren't born. But there was a, a woman there, and she said, I do not intend to grow old gracefully. I intend to fight it every step of the way. Right? I'm going to fight that, that limit that wants me to just get by. Amen. Does that make sense? Brother, it's in the church. Amen. What, whatever it may be. With our equipment, with our sound, our, our live stream, our television, I'm not just going to settle and just get by. You know, we live in a day and age, and Brother Ron is very technologically gifted, and he would amen this. We live in a day and age where almost every device that you carry, you can film with it, Record with it is better, right? Yeah. You, you can cut it. Right? And so you got, you got pastors that have their iPhone on a tripod in their sanctuary, and they're using it to record and putting that on TV. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not just going to say I don't have to spend the money. I'll just use my phone. I'm not going to do that. 
That's settling. That's just getting by. I want you, when you go home today, to look at your house, look at your life, look at your existence, and ask yourself, where am I just settling? Why am I not pressing into a bigger house? Why don't I want more room? Why, why am I okay still driving this car? Why am I all right on the job I'm on? Is it, because, is it because I don't want better or because it's just easy to keep this one? Right. Does that make sense? Okay. So as a church, as your pastor, my wife and I, we're constantly looking and saying, how can we get better? How can, how can we get this to another level? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor Ron, the last time I filmed, I asked him before we filmed, I said, Ron, give me some input. Because I've, I've never wanted to be on TV. You hear my heart. I've never wanted to be on TV. That is my idea of doing nothing. I'm just, just honestly. I, amen. You're, you're looking at one big eye. And it doesn't amen you. And you say something really good, and it's like, hmm. <laughs> so I'm asking, how can, I, how can I do this better? And he was very gracious and, and very kind in, in the, 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 what he, but here's the point. I want to get better. If I'm going to do it, God has asked me to do it, so I'm going to like it. Amen. But if I'm going to do it, i got to get better. You understand? I had, I, had, I had a person that's very dear to me, very special to me, ask me one time. They came to our church. They don't come to our church regularly. They came to our church. Their son wanted to come to our church one Sunday. And so he was in town, so they came with him. And, and I was ministering. And, and I went out to eat with them afterwards. And they, they asked me. They said, is that how you preach on TV? And I had to say, no, not really. And they said, because if you're preaching that way on TV, you couldn't keep the people away from the building. So what, listen, I'm, I'm not saying I don't need to be on TV. I need to get better. Right. Amen. Is there areas you need to get better? Yeah. Yeah, three people. That's all right. <laughs> I'm joking. Go for the best that God has to offer. Now, you're going to have to think about that. What is the best God has to offer? Amen. What is the best God has to offer? What's the best God has to offer your family? What's the best God has to offer you? You got to go, go for the best. Go for the best. And then finally, go as high as your faith will take you. How high will my faith take me? As far as I can believe. Amen. I'll tell you what. My wife and I are believing to own a second home in Johnson County. We own a home in Pulaski County. We're believing to own a home in Johnson County. If God wants me to pastor two churches, I'm not going to live in an apartment for the rest of my life. Amen. Or ever how long it is. And even if, even, even if something would happen in, in the future, and I'm not the lead pastor here for whatever reason, I still got grandkids here, and they need a big house to come run around in. 
I'm telling you that for a reason. That's my vision. I'm here forever. You're, you're always going to see me. Amen. Don't one of us leave. I mean, you know, that way or that way, we're going. Here, there, in the air. But would you do that with me? Go as high as your faith will take you. We want to close today. And uh, especially if you brought the, uh, if you have in your possession the things that you're believing God for. The three main things that you're believing God for. Uh, what you want to give at the night of giving. Uh, some things you want to mark off or pay off in your life. Uh, what would be a nice to have? Especially if you have them. If you don't have them, it's okay. We can still agree with you. But let's stand up today. We want to agree over these things. Hallelujah. We want to agree with you about it. What you want to mark off. You're going to agree with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Can you see it? It's getting clearer every day. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's just, uh, if you have them with you, lift them up to the Lord. If you don't, just lift your hand to the Lord. Father, we lift these to you today. And, Lord, we thank you that according to Matthew, chapter 18 and verse 19 you said Lord wherever two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything it would be done for them of my father which is in heaven and father right now I come into agreement with each person for what they're believing for this year Lord as they come into agreement with me those things that they want to pay off we call them paid and we solicit and ask and believe for the finances to do it now. Father, those things that they would like to give in the night of giving, we call for those funds. Because you give seed to the sower and you multiply the seed sown. And Father, for those nice-to-haves, you said in your word you would give us the desire of our heart. You said that you have given us richly all things to enjoy. You said in your word that you desired that we had days of heaven on the earth. And so, Father, I come into agreement with your people that they will see that and more. And all you promised will surely come to pass in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for it. 